thewellnesscouch.com, streaming wellness into your lives. Welcome to the Wellness Guys Show with wellness experts Dr. Lawrence Tam, Dr. Damian Kristoff, and Dr. Brett Hill. Welcome to the Wellness Guys. I'm Damien Kristoff. And I'm Brett Hill. This is a weekly show dedicated to bringing wellness into your lives. And Brett, today we are coming straight from Darwin. We've got a very special guest, a guest that's been on the Real Food Reel with Steph Lowe, but not been on the Wellness Guys, but we've wanted him for years. So Steph beat us to this one. But uh, <laughs> today, buddy, we have an amazing speaker. He's a cardiologist, well-known, world-renowned, Australian famous cardiologist, really good guy. I've been chatting to him for a little bit of time while we're trying to get this Skype going, doing some great things in and around integrative cardiology around Australia, speaking around the world on medicine, health, cardiology, CoQ10, all kinds of different things. And today we welcome to our microphones, Bredo, Dr. Ross Walker. Ross, thanks for joining us from Darwin. My pleasure, Damien. Hello, Brett. G'day, mate. Welcome. Ross, you've been shaking it up. You've been doing some great things, and um, and you don't subscribe to just the standard medical model. You ask questions and you give answers that are a little bit outside of what would be seen to be stereotypical cardiology. How did you kind of deviate from what would be considered to be standard cardiology to then arrive at now this more integrative approach? Well, strangely, I had a bit of an epiphany in my 20s when I was a cardiology registrar I'd go down to the cardiac ward, the, the post-surgical ward, and I'd see all these incredibly fat people there with, with their second lot of bypass. Now, Albert Einstein once said, there's nothing some more certain sign of insanity than to do the same thing over and over again and expect a different result. Hmm. And I thought there's got to be a better way to someone have a mutilating operation on your chest, having your chest split open with a chainsaw, not once, but twice, and not doing anything about it. Hmm. And, and so I thought, there has to be some better way to this. So all through my career, and especially in the last 20 years, I've focused on preventative cardiology because the best treatment of heart disease, the best treatment of cancer is not to get them in the first place. And I believe about 90% of modern diseases are completely preventable. But the way medicine's practiced by most people, and certainly not by me, but the way it's practiced by most people is we have the ambulance parked at the bottom of the cliff waiting for people to fall off. So instead of fixing the rails at the top of the cliff, i.e. prevention, what we do in medicine is we build faster ambulances. And to me, it's just craziness. And it's a bit like the financial world waiting for people to go bankrupt, then they give them financial advice. But that's what happens in medicine. So people abuse their bodies up to the day of their heart attack or up to the day of their bowel cancer operation. They say, please, doctor, save me. Well, look, it's your own personal responsibility. The walker, rule number one of medicine is very straightforward. The most important coronary arteries in this world are your own. If you're not prepared to look after them, why should anyone else bother? <laughs> Ross, you say that, and it just seems so blindingly obvious. You know, you're talking about obese people coming back for multiple bouts of surgery and that we need to prevent that and we need to talk to them about their diet and their lifestyle and movement and all those sort of things. That just seems so blindingly obvious. Why isn't that just mainstream general medical practice? Ah, uh, because. There are three possibilities in life, Brett, three possibilities. Either there's protection, there is life maintenance, and there's urges. Now, what I mean by protection, if the three of us are sitting here having a chat and all of a sudden there's a huge explosion or a fire starts in the room, we've got to get out of it. We've got to stop it and just protect ourselves because we're going to die. So protection is vitally important for all of us. And that often happens, well, not often, but occasionally happens where you just got to say, look, forget about my lifestyle, forget about my urges, i just got to get out of here. 
But then you've got the choice after that. So, so just putting natural disasters aside, you've got the choice of either life maintenance or follow, following your urges. And the problem is human beings are p- pretty unevolved. We often follow our, our urges. What seems like good and quick and fun at the time always seems like the, a, a good answer. So people prefer the quick fix. Now, uh, this is one thing I find, and as I've been speaking about this for years, but I find un- unbelievably bizarre that the medical profession and the pub- public have swallowed this absolutely wholeheartedly, that the key to good health is lowering a number in your bloodstream with a pill, i.e. taking a statin drug to lower your cholesterol. And, and so people are more, more prepared to swallow these pills that have enormous side effects than to start looking at their nutrition, to start doing what I call the second best drug on the planet, which is three to five hours every week of some form of exercise. They prefer to just swallow a pill and get on with their lives where they're abusing their bodies up to the day of their heart attack or bowel cancer operation. So it's, it's not just the medical profession's fault. It's the fault of the public who are really keen on this quick fix concept. And that's why takeaway food outlets make so much money because you can just wander in quickly. Uh, you can have the quick fix. You can fill your belly and get out of there and you don't have to cook. You don't have to do anything. And you're eating all this processed packaged muck masquerading as food. And then you go to a supermarket, there's all these boxes with graffiti written on them, like low fat or no cholesterol, and that is graffiti. And, and, and people, people have swallowed this nonsense. They've absolutely swallowed it for so long because it's easier. They're taking the easier road rather than actually putting the hard yards in. And I can assure you, the people who do the best on this planet, any success principle, two things. It's called discipline and perseverance. And most people aren't good at either of those. Very good. I love it. Well, you're speaking our language by the sounds of it. There's a great quote. I think it was Oliver Wendell Holmes. He said, many a crooked river and a crooked man has been created by the path of least resistance. And uh, and that's kind of where yeah. we go with uh, with, with uh, health these days. Now, I'm a nutrition guy, Ross. Um, you may or may not know that. Brett's uh, actually, he's become a very much a nutrition guy as well, but he's always primarily been involved in our show as the exercise guy. Um, let's just quickly just touch on uh, food here just quickly um, because I know that um, sure. it's it's an important topic and with 70% of the population now being overweight or obese in Australia, we're at a you know, massive, you know, we're, we're past that crossroad. You know, most people have taken the wrong turn. Where should people start? Do people need to go vegan? Do they need to go paleo? Do they need no. to go gluten-free? Oh, what do we need no. to do here? What's the story? None, none, of, none of the above. Look, what people need to do is, is realise nutrition is so simple. I've written seven books on health, but it, it's really easy. All you need to know about nutrition is to eat less and eat more naturally. That's it. That and, and, the more, and, and people talk about the, the GI factor, mm-hmm. but forget about the GI factor. Think about the HI factor, which is the human interference factor. Nice. How much do people fiddle with the food by the time it gets in your mouth? The more fiddling, the worse it is for you. It doesn't matter what it says on the box. It's bad for you if it's in a box or a container. So eat fresh food, eat natural food. And look, the best diet on the the planet, forget about paleo or gluten-free or anything. The best diet on the planet, which has been studied for thousands of years, is a thing called the Mediterranean diet. And the Mediterranean diet is a high-quality fat, high-quality protein, high-quality carb diet. But also, they don't eat as much as we do in this society. They don't. They haven't heard of processed packaged food. They just eat good natural foods, the fruits and vegetables out of their backyard. They have little bits of meat, eggs, chicken, fish, nuts, and and of course olive oil, vitally important. And they wash it down with a couple of glasses of red wine. And also, what they do, which we don't do in this society, 
have a good-sized breakfast full of all natural foods, yeah. their biggest meals at lunchtime, they have that afternoon sleep because they get a bit sleepy from the carbs and the grog, and then they go and burn off all the excess carbs in the, in the hot Mediterranean sun in the afternoon and don't have much to eat for, for dinner. That's It's called the Mediterranean lifestyle, not the Mediterranean diet. The, the Australian lifestyle, the Australian diet, is appalling, mm. and that's why we're seeing 70% of the population of males overweight or obese 50% of females overweight or obese. Yeah. So so it, it just does my head in that people just can't see these simple messages. And eating good quality food and less of it is the third best drug on the planet. The second best drug on the planet, of course, being uh, being exercise, three to five hours every week of some form of testing exercise. And the best drug on the planet, which beats everything else hands down, which most people are getting worse at these days, is a thing called happiness. Uh-huh. And and it's, so it's so, so important to look at what's going on in your skull a lot of people don't even do that. They have these chaotic, stressful lives where, where they, we're all too busy and every, everyone's on their, their mobile phones and they're, they're, they're texting or on Facebook or on Twitter or on one of these things. <laughs> they're not spending any time contemplating. So something I've been doing every, every day for the last 22 years is I meditate. This morning I've done an hour's meditation. And I, th- I think that to have a, a meditation practice is one way of, of just calming things down in your life. And people aren't talking enough about that as well. People talk about diet and exercise, but they don't talk enough about how to be happy. I love it, Ross. I love it. It, it sounds familiar, actually. You talk about the more fiddling, the less good it is for you. I think I got told that when I was younger. I think they told me I'd go blind if I was doing that. But, uh, but that's, might be, <laughs> that's a different that might be of slightly <laughs> off track. But uh, I love it. It's just, it's just keeping it simple. You know, we had uh, we had Luke Hines in Adelaide last night, and he was talking very similar stuff. You know, he was talking about happiness a lot, and I think it seems to be like almost like the next big thing. You know, we've, we've sort of gone through this obsession with food, we've gone through the obsession with exercise, and now we're kind of saying, well. What if we just made ourselves happy? You know, maybe we don't need to stress yeah. so much about the food and about the exercise. Maybe we just need to do what makes us happy and find what works well for the individual. Is, is that the sort of direction you think we're heading next, yeah. Russ? Absolutely, Brett. But you see, you made a point before talking about fiddling. That's funny. But these days you make a joke and somebody gets offended. Oh, I mean, I'm, I'm sick of this political correct PC nonsense. Thing. Yeah, but you, can't, you can't have a good joke and have a good laugh. I mean, having a good laugh is incredibly therapeutic for you but also is just getting on with the people around you, yeah. um, showing some consideration and care for other people. Now, I've, I've been with, with my wife now. She, the poor woman's put up with me for 42 years. We've been married for 40 years this year, and it's, it's pretty exciting to have that sort of relate. Now, well, that's what I'm saying to people is it's not rocket science. It's called actually appreciating and, con- and considering what that human being's done for you. And my wife is an absolute gem, and I'm, I'm proud to say that after... I'm 60 years old. We've been together for 42 years, a long time. Yeah. <laughs> she gets regular counselling, of course. But, but, <laughs> I, but all I'm saying is they're the sort of – that's where we should be aiming our, our life in, in those sort of directions, improve the relationship you have with people. And you know what? It's no one else's job to make you happy. Mm. It's only your job. So don't, don't expect anyone else to make you happy and appreciate what people do for you. And, right. and those sort of things are important health parameters. Not worrying about taking damn Lipitor to lower your cholesterol. Oh, my God. Yeah, that's right. These statin drugs, they're a really big worry, big anxiety. It's funny that when the patent came off those drugs, they all became a little bit dangerous. Um, I find that really fascinating. I don't want to go into conspiracies here, Ross, but, hey, let's just put it out there. Hey, Ross, um, a couple of years ago, I recall this. I was um, heavily involved in, in, in naturopathy, doing a lot of work with a company called Metagenics, but you were doing some work with biocuticals, yeah. and you were running a... Um, 
a, a trial, at, uh, from what I recall, where you're using um, magnesium, um, ubiquinol, um, mm. post-surgery yep. uh, with every single one of your cardiology patients. And, um, and I don't recall that, ever seeing those results, but can you tell us what actually happened with that? Well, no, actually, that, that work was done by Frank Rosenfeld, who... Frank Rosenfeld is a, a cardiac surgeon from uh, from Melbourne. The man's an absolute genius, and he he had this insight into the benefits of of CoQ10 years ago. And over the last few years, what we've realised is that it's really ubiquinol that's important because when CoQ10 or ubiquinone gets into your body, it's got to be converted to ubiquinol. And here's the problem: we're only designed to wander around a jungle for 30, 40 years with a spear. We weren't designed to go double A use by date, which most of us are doing these days. And when the hormones start going south around age 50, that's when this diaphorase enzyme that converts you from ubiquinone to ubiquinol also goes south. So you lose the diaphorase, so you don't make ubiquinol. So what happens when you get in your 50s? What, ha- what happens is people start to get tired uh, and their muscles start to get weaker. And one of the big reasons for that is we're losing ubiquinol in our bodies. And if you take statin drugs, because the statins pulverize the mitochondria, which, as you guys know, are the little fuel packs of the cell. So you, you can have the flashiest car on the planet. If there's no fuel in the car, the car doesn't work. And it's the same for you can have cells that are going okay, but if your mitochondria isn't making good quality ATP, which is energy, then the cells aren't working properly. So you take a statin, you're depleting ubiquinol in the mitochondria, and the mitochondria doesn't, well, mm. doesn't work well. You're not eating well. I mean, even if you eat a lot of good quality food, you sort of get enough ubiquinol. But when you get over 50, you start to lose ubiquinol. So one of the things I take purely for energy is 150 milligrams of ubiquinol every day. And, and again, this work comes from Tony Lenane working in conjunction with people like Frank Rosenfeld, also magnesium orotate. This is where a lot of people are getting it wrong. It's not the magnesium that's important, although magnesium is good for you for other reasons, but it's the orotate that lifts up the CoQ10 in your mitochondria, the ubiquinol in the mitochondria, uh-huh. because it affects a thing called erotic. Now, Brett, get your mind out of oh, the gutter. Here we go. It's <laughs> uh, Here's uh, a segue. O-R-O-T-I-C, not E-R-O-T-I-C. <laughs> so it's erotic acid metabolism in the mitochondria, and, and that also promotes the, the generation of ubiquinol. So I, I think really if, if you're over 50 and you feel that you get a bit tired, take 150 milligrams of ubiquinol every day with magnesium orotate, and you get maximum levels of ubiquinol in, in the mitochondria. And, and also, if you're on a statin drug, definitely do it. If you've had problems, any challenges with serious heart disease, you should also be on the ubiquinol. But there's a lot, of, a lot of work to show that ubiquinol is also good for things like improving sports performance, managing stress. And here's, here's an, another myth. And I was in Hong Kong a couple of weeks ago talking for a big financial company about medical myths. One of the big myths is people are under the misconception that there's an LDL cholesterol that's bad and an HDL cholesterol that's good. Is that your mm. understanding? Well, that's what we've Yeah, well, it's actually not true. We don't believe it. <laughs> that's what everyone's heard, but it's not yeah, true. Good. Yeah. Because LDL and HDL are both divided into small and large components. Yes. And it's only the small bits of LDL and the small bits of HDL that are bad for you. In fact, the mm. large bits of LDL and HDL, which make up most of your cholesterol, are good for you. Mm. And we're pulverizing these things with statin drugs. And and what happens with ubiquinol is that that converts you from the small bits to the large bits. Now, I'm not totally against statin therapy. I'm against statin therapy for, say, somebody in their 40s or 50s goes into a doctor and their cholesterol's nudged up a bit, and so immediately they're put onto a statin. Mm. So all I do is I, I use statins only for people 
who have established heart disease or on a coronary calcium score, which is a CT that takes a picture of your arteries, they've got a very high score, which means they've got a big load of atherosclerosis. But statin drugs are so overprescribed and, as I said, can do things like deplete ubiquinol, deplete vitamin K2, do all sorts of nasty things to your body unless you're taking supplements to overcome that. Mm. Mm. Wow. I love it. I love it, Ross. I know Damien's loving this. There was lots of big words in there, Ross, and yes. uh, I'm sure I'll get Damien to explain them to me later. But uh, the only one I really <laughs> like was erotic. I, I got that one. And uh, <laughs> I, I was I was actually talking about appreciative, Ross. I was getting a shoulder massage at the time as you said the word, so I, I totally went there. It was great. Um, but, Ross, let's, uh, if we move on and talk about – we've spoken about the food stuff. We've spoken about some supplementation. We've spoken about happiness. What about fitness, Ross? Like I've just come back from CrossFit. I literally came straight from there to here, which is why we were – a little bit late, sorry, mate. And yeah. um, you know that's what I do to stay fit. But I'm the first one to say that, that you know CrossFit isn't for everyone. Not everyone needs to do CrossFit to be healthy and to stay well. No. What do you recommend to people in terms of exercise and movement? Yeah, well, it, it really depends on age, you see, because one of, one of the problems is once you get over fifty, the only joint you blow is your hip or your knee. And a lot of people still, when they get over fifty, are really pushing their bodies a bit too hard. And I'll tell you, the, the old fart you're speaking to at the moment played soccer and squash until he was 52. So I've got bone-on-bone arthritis in my right knee. So I can't exercise to the same level that I did when I was younger. So, again, I think as you get older, you've got to tone down the exercise a bit. But you still need three to five hours every week of, I'd say, two-thirds aerobic, one-third anaerobic to keep the body toned and to keep your fitness going. And you don't need to push yourself into the ground. I I say to people, get to perceived exertion, which, as you both know, is where you feel a bit hot and short of breath when you're exercising, but not to the point where you're absolutely panting and you can't talk. Mm. Now, if you do that, you get cardiovascular fitness. There's a difference between being super fit, an elite athlete, and just getting fitness to keep your heart and your body healthy. And so I think that three to five hours a week is a perfect dose. More is not better and less is certainly not better. Ross, I've got a question for you. How come we have to wait to 50 to take CoQ10? No, I don't, you don't have to wait to 50 at all. You can take it whenever you like. But I'm, I'm just saying, for people, once you get to 50 and the body really starts to change, I can promise you, that's when you really need to be looking at all the things you're taking. Mm-hmm. I mean, I take a bucket of supplements every day, but the word there you is supplements. Not, well, well, I look okay, but the word is, the word <laughs> is supplements. And they're, and, and they're supplements to a healthy lifestyle. And to me, it's those five keys of being healthy, which I I will repeat. I've already said three of them. Number one, you cannot be healthy and smoke, drink too much grog or snort cocaine. Mm -hmm. So anyone who has an addiction to anything is unhealthy. Mm -hmm. Number two, and we don't talk about this enough, and maybe I'll come on another time we can talk about this one. Number two, the fourth best drug on the planet is seven to eight hours every night of good quality sleep. And I say to people, Seven to eight hours every night of good quality sleep is as good for your body as not smoking. Then you've got nutrition, then you've got exercise, and then, of course, number one is happiness. And if you practice those five keys, the, the studies show that, that generally there's about a 70% reduction in all diseases, but wait for this one, an 83% reduction in cardiovascular disease by, by doing those five things well. 83% reduction. There is, no, there is no pill on the planet that even scratches the toenails of that. And that's what I say to people. Look, right. look, look, at your, look at your lifestyle, first, second, third, fourth, and fifth. Add some supplements in. And then if you certainly have evidence of high-level disease, go and see a doctor and get some medical therapy as well. But don't, don't see 
don't see the pills you're on as the replacement. I see so many people who come into my office who can be seen on a global positioning satellite. These people would be pushed back out to sea by Greenpeace and they're taking 20 pills. And, and I say, what is going through your skull? You've got a gut that looks like this yeah. and you're happy to take all these pills. So yes. I, I just don't get the whole attitude. It does my head in. Yeah. Now, I know you're not, being, you're not being fattest at all. What you're saying there is that people have got to take control of themselves and stop, stop thinking yes. that medicine can fix everything because medicine can't fix anything really. They can nope. only really put patches on stuff. That's it. It's a, it's a Band-Aid over a festering sore. What I'm saying is fix the festering sore, and that is your responsibility, no one else's. Mm. Hey, Ross, what do you say to people who are trying to find the right doctor? Because I get this question. In fact, I got this question just last night at our seminar, and someone said to me, you know, they'd been yep. to their doctor. Their doctor was talking only about their total cholesterol. You know, they said if they're lucky, they could get their doctor to talk about LDL and HDL. But when, you know, this person knew way more about the different types of cholesterol than their doctor did mm. and was asking for tests that the doctor didn't even seem to really know about, let alone know how yep. to refer for or want to refer for. And her question was, well, how do I find the right doctor? You know, I, I point her in the direction of ACNEM and MIND and those sort of organizations to find some more mm. holistic doctors and, you know, more nutrition and minded doctors. Is that the sort of direction sure. you'd point people? Or what do you suggest people to do, Ross? Yeah, look, I, I think it's that. I think it's also just talking to your friends and colleagues and, and finding out who they've delivered a good service from. And I, I say to people, doctors should be two things to patients. They should be advisors and servants. And if you see a doctor who, do, who you think doesn't have that attitude, you go and find another doctor. And it's just shopping around. It's like anything. There, there are very good mechanics and there are very average mechanics. You, you've got to find the people who are good and going to give you a good service. And I, there's no great way of knowing that. It's just a matter of sucking in and see, just finding out who is giving a good service. And, and, and unfortunately, I think with the way the medical courses go, we, we push out all these patronising te technocrats at the end who have a very narrow way of looking at things. If, and I say this, if you can't fix it with a script pad or a scalpel, then it doesn't work. Mm. That's the attitude of many doctors, and that's what concerns mm. me, that they're not looking at a more holistic approach, but they're not looking at the whole thing about lifestyle therapy, supplements. And, and look, I'm not, suggesting, I'm not suggesting we should walk away from orthodox medicine. What I'm saying is, like, like the Buddhists always talk about the middle path. The, the best answer has to be integrating the whole thing together, doing what I do is which is practice integrative cardiology. That's the way to do it. Oh, I love it. I love it. I know you've got to go, Ross. You're due on stage at any moment now. So we'll let you wrap up. I am. Ross, thank you so much for joining us today, all the way from Darwin. It was, uh, it's been a pleasure having you on here and chatting with us. So thank you very much, Ross. Okay, gentlemen. Well, when I get back to Sydney, hopefully we can talk again. That'll be great. I'm just going to close this off. So make sure you go to our Facebook page, facebook.com forward slash the wellness guys, and tell us what you thought of this episode. Share this podcast with your friends and family and other strangers you think need a wellness update. Subscribe to us on iTunes. And while you're there, leave us a five-star rating and give us some comments. Let us know exactly what you thought of this. Ask us some questions. Brett, Lawrence, and I will answer those questions. So until next week, begin creating wellness into your lives. Lead by example, and let's change the world's health together. Join us next week on the Wellness Guys Show. This has been a production of thewellnesscouch.com. Check us out on Facebook and join in the conversation on facebook.com forward slash thewellnesscouch. Subscribe to each show on iTunes and check us out on Twitter. The Wellness Couch, streaming wellness into your lives. Whilst the Wellness Couch presenter endeavor to provide accurate and helpful information to their listeners, these podcasts cannot take into account individual circumstances and are not intended to be a substitute for health and medical advice from a qualified health professional. You should always seek the advice of a qualified health professional before acting on any of the information provided by any of the Wellness Couch podcasts.